How do we think biblically about a child from a Christian family that does not pursue the faith, even from the Old Testament? My name is Chad Moore. I am the minister to students and family ministries, and this is Beyond the Notes. So yesterday in service, we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and as a part of that message, we, we talked about how we cannot save our children, that our role is, to, is not to save, but to serve, and that even in a family that does everything right, a child may still not pursue the faith. They may still not repent and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the opposite is also true as well, that you can do everything wrong as a parent, as an unbelieving parent. And your child come to faith in Christ, and whole families have been um, have, have come to faith in Jesus over time through a child who turned to faith in Christ. And one of the passages that I, I mentioned but did not have time to cover or take the time to cover was Ezekiel chapter 18. I told you the whole chapter just digs into this issue of a personal faith and, and the impact of a parent's righteousness or lack thereof, and, and a child as well, and, and so how whole that, that whole dynamic works. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today in Ezekiel 18. I'm not going to read the entire passage to you. It's a it's a long one. It's 31 verses, and we're, but we are going to kind of jump around a little bit and, and break this down. And so it starts off and says, "The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel." Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. And then after that, he, he goes through three illustrations and kind of goes through three generations of sinfulness or righteousness and then explains it as well. But, but first off, off that proverb there, you know, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Um, the question it comes from okay wh- where did that whole concept come from this this fatalism of of the what the what the parent does impacts the faith of the child and even impacts the um, the way God treats that child not based on their own actions but on the actions of a parent it's possible that this came from Exodus chapter 20 in the second commandment verse uh, starting in verse 4 it says you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for i the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments so it's possible that, that a misunderstanding of um, this commandment led to some form of fatalism in the lives of the Jewish people in terms of later generations. A, a fatalism meaning, the, the, the I mean, why try? I can't impact this. It's already been decided. My outcome's there. It's based on my parents. Um, my, my parents' poor actions have doomed me forever, and that's just, that's just fate. We actually see it in Jeremiah 31, in the very verses that were right before what I shared on Sunday morning in terms of the new covenant. It says this in Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 29, In those days they shall no longer say, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. 
but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. His teeth shall be set on edge. And so clarifying the same thing, addressing the same proverb, saying that this, this is, must no longer be said, that it's not, that this misunderstanding and this fatalism is not true, and it's not how God interacts with mankind. And you could, you could say that they, the people should have known based on what Deuteronomy 24 says. Deuteronomy 24, 16 says that fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own son. And we could say that that, that should have been what clarified it for them, but obviously that's not what happened. And that proverb took root. And so going back to our passage here in, in, in Ezekiel 18, that um, he, he now jumps into three illustrations of the principle. He starts off in these next verses um, talking about a righteous man who does what is right. In verses five through nine, at the end of verse nine, he says, he is righteous, he shall surely live, declares the Lord God. Then in verses 10 through 13, he goes to that man's son and in in a hypothetical scenario in which that man's son is the opposite of that man. He is violent, a shedder of blood. He eats upon the mountains and defiles his neighbor's wife. He oppresses the the poor and needy and commits robbery. And at the end of that section about that man, the son of the righteous man, he says, then shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. But for clarity's sake, he goes one step further. It says, what if, let's just suppose that this man has a son who does not do like he did. He is actually more in line with his grandfather and, and, and follows a righteous line. In verses 14 through, through 18, he addresses that. And in verse 17, he says, he shall not die for his father's iniquity. He shall surely live. The concept that, going back to the, um, the commandment that was potentially the, the source of the misunderstanding, that visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, understanding this argument and the arguments elsewhere, the Lord is, is simply communicating in the second commandment that, that he will continue to carry out um, his wrath for every generation that hates him. And yet right after that in verse six, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, that he's not saying that, that the wrath will be followed down through the generations because one man has erred. But if the generations continue to follow in this bad path, then they will also face the wrath of God. And God's not going to simply forget or be tired of carrying out his wrath. He's going to be a just God like we know him to be. And so after giving these, these explanations here or these illustrations in, in Ezekiel 18, he explains the, the principle even further. And he says in verse 20, the soul who win, who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. He goes on to say that what happens if a wicked person turns? God says he shall surely live. He says, I don't have any, any pleasure on the, the, the death of the wicked, but when a righteous person turns away, in the other direction, he shall die. 
that it, it's up to the person and when they choose to turn from the sin or towards the sin and away from their righteousness. In verse 25, he says, Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? And we can understand this happening in the lives of the Israelites here, of saying we're being punished for the sins of our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers. And it's, it's all because of them that we're facing this torment right now. And yet the offer was always on the table that if a righteous man will turn, God's wrath will turn. And when a wicked person turns away, he shall live. To finish it out in verse 30, he says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. So how does that translate to today? How does that translate to our current family dynamics and the and the parents who are praying for a child that is astray that is not following in the way that they desire for them to live it's a very difficult thing for an empty nesting parent to no longer be able to wake up the next day and try again or to be in the house and walk down the hall and and invest in the life of their child because they're grown and they're and they're following their own ways in a different location What's made clear, I believe, from this, this chapter is not only the fact that every person is judged for their own sins, that there must be a personal faith. It's also clear that the righteous may have a, a child who goes a different direction, and the next generation might go in the opposite, that we must remain faithful and do our best to raise up and disciple a generation in the way that they need to go following after the Lord. But we do not get to see the exact fruit of our work in their salvation because of our faithfulness. That is still remains up to them and God to move. And as painful as that can be, we must trust God in that scenario like any other. Trust that he is still sovereign. That he knew when he blessed us with this child, he knew how it would turn out. And trust and pray that hopefully this is but a season or a time that leads to them eventually turning to faith in Christ, praying for that outcome, loving them to that outcome, and trusting the Lord for all the rest. We will one day stand before the Lord having to make an account for all of our actions, not those of our family, and trusting in his sovereignty and his goodness in all of it. If you enjoyed this Beyond the Notes, I encourage you to drop a comment or a like or share it with someone that, <clears throat> that you feel would maybe benefit from, from hearing this or, or, or digging in to Ezekiel 18 in this topic. We will continue again next week as we continue our series through 2 Corinthians, and I hope you join us.